7.32, so it seems like North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has skipped his New Year's address. An unprecedented step for uncertain times, but we did still get an idea of his promised new way as the deadline for a diplomatic deal with the US passed, along with the arrival of the new year. And Kim said during a party meeting this week, actually New Year's Eve message we might call it, that he sees no reason to maintain his suspension on nuclear and long-range missile tests and will soon show off a new strategic weapon. Let's discuss further with US-based political columnist Gordon Chang. Good morning to you. Good morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. So it looks like um, Chairman Kim isn't unveiling what might be described as a New Year's Day speech. Does it really matter? Uh, Because the context of the comments that that were released via state media, and which presumably he approved, would probably look rather similar anyway, this talk of a new strategic weapon, for example, and no need to continue the moratorium on high-profile tests. Yeah, I agree. Um, When you look at the summary of Kim Jong-un's message to the Central Committee of the Workers' Party, it essentially is a a New Year's message. It is maybe perhaps the Christmas gift that they were talking about. So, yeah, I mean, this is the first time in about six years or so that there has not been a formal New Year's message, but we got the substance of it anyway. Yeah, so let's talk about that substance. Uh, A new strategic weapon, what what would your immediate thought be on that? I recall the foreign minister of North Korea in New York after the UN General Assembly meeting in September 2017 said that North Korea was going to detonate a thermonuclear device over the Pacific. So um, that's something that um, every nuclear power has done, has detonated a weapon in the atmosphere to show everybody else that they know how to do it. I eventually expect North Korea to do something like that when the time is right. I don't think it's going to be now, but nonetheless, um, that's what we should be worried about, because they will do that sometime in the future. Yeah, the the, um, the comments, just to analyze a little further on that from Chairman Kim, they, they suggested that there's still room for dialogue, i.e. even though the deadline's passed, he, he basically was saying, look, we're going to take actual action against the US unless it changes its course. And, and that's not so different from the mood in 2019. Yes, I mean, he is leaving the room open for discussion, even though uh, the U.S. um, passed his year-end deadline. So, uh, you know, I I think that essentially the North Koreans are going to continue on. They'll be a little bit more belligerent. Um, I think they've got to be because Kim Jong-un has laid down some markers for himself in Pyongyang. Um, He promised everybody that he was going to get all the sanctions completely removed. So he can't let this deadline go by completely without provocation. But the North Koreans still want to talk to the U.S., and they need to talk to the U.S. So in substance, I think we'll continue along for at least a little while longer. understand. Um, one interesting bit of analysis which seems to have been repeated among a few onlookers is that North Korea will be very cautious for now not to cross what might be perceived as a red line, not so much for the U.S., but for China and Russia. And, you know, we've spoken to you at length in the past about China, uh, and we can use this as an opportunity perhaps to reflect on what they might do on the North Korea front. But, but before we get there, what, what's your view on that? Do you, do you think North Korea will, will be holding back on an ICBM test, for example, for fear of losing Chinese and Russian support? 
Yeah, I don't know what, what Beijing's and, and Moscow's calculus on this is, but I don't expect the North Koreans to actually step too far from what the Chinese and the Russians want. Uh, right now, um, Beijing uh, and Moscow, indeed, are, are openly violating U.N. sanctions and U.S. money laundering rules. So Kim is getting what he needs, even if he's not getting what he wants. And so he can't really um, anger um, his benefactors that much. So I, I, I don't know exactly what the Chinese and Russians think, but I'm sure that Kim is not going to be too far from where they are. But the general feeling for years or decades has been that China's wanted North Korea to remain as stable as possible under these circumstances. Yet despite that sentiment, we have seen North Korea occasionally openly defy Beijing with serious provocations and extremely provocative rhetoric. In other words, there comes a point where North Korea sort of takes that risk, uh, knowing perhaps that China is not going to fully abandon the North, given what that might mean geopolitically. Yeah, I I actually think that Kim Jong-un knows that when the Chinese really want something, he has no choice but to obey. And, and we saw that with um, the first five times that Kim met his Chinese counterpart, Xi Jinping. Kim went to Chinese soil four times in a row before Xi Jinping went to Pyongyang. That's a real indication of a sort of a master-vassal relationship. And um, I, I don't buy this notion that Kim actually disobeys the Chinese too much. He might every once in a while do something that mildly irritates them, but he knows that um, Beijing is, is where he has his economy centered. And I'm sure the Chinese really enjoy watching Kim bedevil the United States, South Korea, Japan. So I, I don't think that um, there's too much daylight between the two. How do you generally feel about the prospects for 2020 on the U.S. security front? Uh, we've obviously got a very precarious moment with Iran right now, um, which is extended into 2020. But at the same time, the the China situation seemed to be looking slightly up uh, with a degree of trade progress. Uh, And and of course, this North Korea situation, while it uh, has been provocative, it's not uh, necessarily as bad the message as it might have been uh, if, if, for example, North Korea had not even left any room for maneuver. Uh, so what's your general feeling? Is it actually the, the main concern for the U.S. elsewhere, away from this region? Well, right now, the main concern of um, President Trump is going to be domestic. It's going to be impeachment. Um, you know, where his foreign interests um, are going to be at any one moment is where the crisis will be. And as you point out, the crisis right now is in Iraq. Um, it's generally centered in the Middle East. Um, but the crisis could easily shift to Asia. You got. I, I think ultimately you have a growing uh, grouping um, of uh, bad actors: China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and these guys are going to more or less act in concert, um, and they are going to cause problems across the Eurasian landmass. So at any one time, the crisis can be anywhere, because these four countries are really going to work together. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, President Trump, by the way, though, another question that keeps coming up, but I think we have to keep asking it until we have clarity, which is how is this election year uh, going to affect President Trump's foreign policy? Um, I I don't know. Um, I I don't know if if Trump is driving this. I think that other countries are are actually going to be um, uh, 
pushing events and that Trump is going to be basically reacting. U.S. elections are rarely determined by foreign policy, and I'm sure that Trump wants to keep things quiet on the foreign front um, so that he can concentrate on the storylines that are more favorable to him. So, um, But, you know, he doesn't get a choice because Moscow, Beijing, Tehran, and Pyongyang get to choose the time of the crisis. And so Trump is going to be reacting to whatever these guys want uh, to occur. Yeah, because ultimately, if, if, a, if a significant enough challenge is posed, it's going to look weak for President Trump to not engage. But the question is what sort of engagement that might be, because even diplomacy looks weak if you're if you're simply um, giving too much ground. I mean, John Bolton, for example, we know didn't end very well as uh, security advisor to President Trump has been saying that the US and South Korea should just completely reboot their military exercises now and not give any ground to North Korea on that front. W- what would your thought be on the alliance? Well, right now, I think that Bolton, you know, I, I don't agree with a lot of what Bolton says about the Korean Peninsula. But Bolton's absolutely right. Uh, the readiness of the U.S. and South Korean forces has been degraded because they haven't been engaging in the major scale exercises, which are meant to make sure that uh, the Americans and South Koreans work smoothly together. So Bolton's right about that. Um, and I think it's time that we go back to Foul Eagle and Ulchi Freedom Guardian, the two major exercises. Speaking of South Korea, actually, that was a conspicuous absence from Chairman Kim's address at the end of this four-day party meeting. He'd mentioned South Korea 10 times in last year's New Year's Day address. And certainly the message towards the end of 2019 was that North Korea had given up on South Korea and felt it seemed at least uh, the message it wanted to send was that it was all up to the US to find a solution and and had had enough of South Korea playing this middle man role but leaning onto the US side. So the uh, the feeling that North Korea has against South Korea, do you expect that to continue? I really don't know about what's going to happen between Pyongyang and Seoul, because Moon Jae-in is very pro-North Korean. Um, I would not be surprised that uh, Kim and Moon cook something up, especially before the April 15, 2020 National Assembly elections. You know, for instance, if Kim were to arrive in Seoul, that could very well change the dynamic of those elections. So anything can happen, and I would not be surprised whatever occurs. Right now, as you point out, it looks like Kim is shunning Moon, um, uh, but uh, that could change in a week, or it could change overnight. The um, party meeting itself, which I've mentioned a few times, was four days long. The fact it was four days long is unusual. This is supposed to be a rubber stamp body. Chairman Kim apparently presents whatever changes or whatever policies he wants to pursue, and uh, all those minions, if you want to view them in those terms, say aye, and then they move on. What would they have been doing for four days from Saturday through to this past Tuesday? That's a really important question you ask, um, and I don't have an answer. But I think the fact that they extended it a day, or at least a day, is an indication that not all is well in Pyongyang, because otherwise um, this should have been over very quickly. I think there probably was some behind-the-scenes negotiation. There must have been a lot of disagreement about what Kim should do with the United States and with South Korea. And so I think it probably took them longer to work that out. And they probably had some unanticipated um, 
disagreements between Kim and um, senior uh, Workers' Party leaders. So I don't think that this is a good sign for Kim. Do you think, is it possible that part of it was just using the party meeting platform as an opportunity to say to the U.S., look, we're doing this party meeting now, we're going to keep going uh, and then keep going a little longer and we're about to make some bold declaration. This is your opportunity to come forward with some proposal, i.e. just stretching it out to give the U.S. some opportunity to send a message or is that reading too far into North Korea's expectations of Washington? Well, anything is possible. So, yeah, that alternative is possible. But if, it, if the North Koreans are thinking that, they certainly do not understand President Trump. Trump can be unpredictable, but there was no chance that the United States was going to make a last-minute concession to North Korea because um, senior American officials in the last part of December were talking about the North Korean year-end deadline as artificial. So that should have been a real hint that there was not going to be any change. Also, Stephen Began, who is the North Korean envoy, now the number two at the State Department, he actually talked to all the parties involved in December. He came back about uh, 10 days ago. And so it was pretty unlikely that there was going to be any change in the American position that, as they heard from Began himself. So if the North Koreans were thinking that, they were just not on the same planet as the Americans. Uh, understand. Um, one final question in terms of the character of any future talks. Last time Stephen Began was here in South Korea, he actually did reach out uh, to North Korea, suggesting he was open for talks just a few weeks ago. The fact that North Korea didn't answer, they don't seem to want to have one of these sit-downs again. It looks like they want the US to telegraph some message that indicates what they're willing to offer, and then North Korea would then come and talk about it. What, what's your view? Yeah, I mean, the North Koreans have consistently shunned working-level talks. In, in all of last year, what was there? Maybe one working-level talk in October? Um, it's just that, that in these types of circumstances where the North Koreans are just not engaging, you're just not going to have progress, and you're not going to have the U.S. make concessions to the North Koreans in these types of circumstances. If Kim Jong-un wants a concession from President Trump, and he could very well get one, he's going to have to engage um, at the working level, and he's going to have to create a much better atmosphere than the one that he, in fact, created with all of those threats in the last three or four days. Understand. Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to hear from you, Gordon Chung, and uh, a long time no speak, actually. Have a happy new year. Yes, have a happy and safe new year in Seoul. Very good to hear. Uh, Listening there to US-based political columnist Gordon Chang.